You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, on this episode we preview the upcoming Week 8 game against Washington. For the first part of the episode, we break down all the roster moves that have happened over the past week. There have been quite a few. Then we get into the game a little bit. We talk about how the Giants can match up against the Washington secondary that's been pretty good this year. And then on defense, how they can maybe move some pieces around just to see what might work and what might not as they try to figure out what's going to happen going forward. So thank you guys for listening and let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue View podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we're going to be breaking down the Giants' Week 8 game against Washington. But before we dig into any of the game, half the roster is gone, maybe conservatively. So there were a bunch of trades. Eli Apple's trade came right after we recorded the last episode. Damon Harrison got traded early the next morning. (laughs) Yeah, early the next morning on Wednesday. There's a lot of turnover now, and we're seeing that as we head into a second half of the season that is going to be a lot more about 2019 than it is 2018. Yeah, this is pretty much looking like it's going to shape up to be the pre-preseason for the Giants. They're going to be getting looks at a lot of guys who may or may not it even if we thought they might be they might not be part of the plans for the future i mean we we probably would have thought that eli apple was going to be a, a building piece going forward you know, maybe not perfect but he was certainly he's certainly a starting corner in this league and there aren't 64 of those right so i guess what we can do is quickly just go through everything that did happen and then we can kind of talk about what those what it mean. all means. <laughs> so Eli Apple traded to the New Orleans Saints for a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. Then Damon Harrison was traded to the Detroit Lions for a fifth round pick. And with those uh, roster spots now open, the Giants added Corey Coleman from the practice squad. They just signed cornerback Tony LePette, who played for Miami, did not play last year because of a torn Achilles. And then we'll get into a little more of what it, what it means for some of the players who are already on the roster. But let's, I guess, go back to, to the two trades first, because those are the big things. And those are the things where you saw players who were on the team get shipped off as part of hey these guys we don't think they're part of our future so we're gonna try to start this rebuild now i think the idea of that makes sense 
to me, if these guys weren't going to be part of your future, Eli Apple has struggled. We've talked about that. Damon Harrison, of course, is probably the league's best run stopper, but he's going to be 30. He's really expensive. Um, If that's not part of what you're going to be bringing into the next year, you get a fifth round pick. Now, I I think my problem is when you talk about how the rebuilding is going to happen and now the Giants are are getting all this draft capital and rebuilding doesn't happen with fourth and fifth round picks. They happen with first, seconds, and thirds. And if the Giants were going to get those, they needed to get those last offseason and they missed that boat. Yeah, if they were going to be rebuilding and rebuilding through the draft, they needed to really flip that second overall pick and turn that into multiple contributors say they could have traded down and now have someone like Mike McGlinchey to go with Will Hernandez or maybe get Harold Landry to go with uh, Lorenzo Carter at this point I suppose we could be fairly confident that Olivier Vernon is going to be here at least one more season but I'm not sure how confident you can be of anything right now but yeah Fourth and fifth round picks, those are generally going to be special teamers, maybe role players on the offense or defense, or just guys who are probably going to be off your roster inside of three years. Once you get to the third day, the bust rate is somewhere between 66% and 75%, all the way up to 90% for seventh round picks. Those aren't cornerstone pieces you're going to be finding. And the argument I've seen by some people is that those are going to be picks you can kind of use to to package and trade up. But first of all, trading up is usually always a bad idea in the draft. That takes into account that you believe you are correct in your player evaluation, which is never a safe thing to assume. And second, again... Fourth and fifth round picks aren't the things you package up to trade up early in the draft. If you're going to trade up in the first round, you need extra firsts, you need extra seconds, you need extra thirds. And no one is is doing anything. Yeah, no one is doing anything for for fourth and fifth. So I, I honestly don't know how much these totally help in the grand scheme of the quality of rebuilding. I get the idea if you're going to move on from these guys, it's better to get something than the nothing you would get if you just cut them. But don't let anyone tell you these are things that are really going to help the Giants in the actual rebuilding case. It's good that they've started it, but the fourth and fifth round picks are not how rebuilds are made. No, no, you rebuild by adding assets. You can't really add anything on a lottery ticket that has such a low probability of paying off. Sure, you can find uh, maybe another Devin Kennard or maybe even all the way down to another Ahmad Bradshaw, but those guys are going to have warts. They're either going to have character concerns like Bradshaw did coming out or injury concerns like Kennard did, or they're going to be playing at a lower level and there's no guarantee that they'll be able to make the jump up to the NFL level. It makes moving on from them look a little bit better than it is, but they're passing on uh, reasonably proven commodities, averaging Apple and snacks together for hope. The biggest part of this is 
you know, it is the sign that, yeah, this roster is not where it should be. These pieces are not something we can count on going forward. But, man, again, this is something that should have been figured out and a process that should have been started seven months ago. It was not hard to see this was a fairly high possibility that the Giants were going to struggle coming out of the gate B at this record with their schedule that started the season. Whether it was mandated by ownership or or whatever, this is a process that should have started seven months ago and the Giants would have been in a better spot and now I think they're even making rebuilding harder for them because they just can't get the assets to do it agreed they it's of of course this would be how the giants rebuild they make nothing easy on anybody they always have to do everything in the hardest way possible get to the super bowl sure but we'll do it by setting a league record or come from behind victories or the most straight victories on the road (laughs) they just can't do things the easy way yeah they that's the giants way (laughs) Yeah, they like to get in their own way, and that's that's certainly what this rebuild is going to be, at least from what we see right now. So the trade deadline is next Tuesday, the 30th. We'll see if any more moves are made before then. Obviously, uh, Janoris Jenkins is kind of the big name that's getting thrown around as the next possibility to move. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Maybe see that happen. Hopefully nothing happens between the time we stop recording this and when the game is played on Sunday. So we can uh, talk about that. But I guess we can talk about the, the roster right now of where it is after those trades. So with this the trade of Apple that opens up an outside corner spot. BW Webb is probably going to move over to that outside corner. Uh, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Mm, but no. James Betcher said Grant Haley and Sean Chandler are going to be getting some more time in the slot. Haley was an undrafted free agent. He was a guy the Giants made a pretty big effort to sign after the draft. They gave him one of the largest signing bonuses you can give an undrafted free agent. I liked him a lot during training camp, and he had a little bit of an up-and-down preseason. He was released during the final 53-man cuts, but signed to the practice squad. He was brought up to the active roster last week, only played three snaps on defense, but he'll get a little more time there. He was really good at Penn State. He's only 5'9". He played actually more outside at Penn State. It was like a 60-40 split between outside and the slot, but he was also really good in the slot, allowed less than a 50% completion percentage when he was there, so he'll get a little more time. Hearing Sean Chandler's going to play a little bit in the slot surprised me he's been on the roster the whole time I think he's played one defensive snap this year but he was an undrafted player out of Temple that's where I went to school so I watched him quite a bit he played a lot of safety so slot corner was not something I would expect for him but I guess that's where the secondary depth is right now that hey let's see how this works because really nothing else has at this point yeah, uh, he did have a little bit of experience at corner, so I wonder if they might 
be thinking about using him similar to how they have used uh, Curtis Riley a little bit, have him play free safety, and then have him and Landon Collins kind of uh, switch if they're going to go for a man blitz, have the better coverage safety down in the box to cover a tight end running back, have you while Collins is kind of back in the deep center, which isn't where you'd want him all the time, but given the choice, that's probably better to have the better coverage safety up in man coverage or the guy who is better in zone coverage in zone coverage. It's actually something the Jacksonville Jaguars do when they run a man blitz, usually on third downs. At this point, see what works. Play around, yeah, play around, see what works because what had been going on uh, hasn't been working. So we'll see. Also, we'll also see how Tony Lippett fits into this rotation once he gets maybe accustomed to the defense or maybe potentially healthy because he did miss 2017 within Achilles tear. So he was a fifth round pick of the Dolphins in 2015. He started 13 games in 2016. He was, he's actually a converted wide receiver. He played receiver in college at Michigan State. I actually liked him a lot as like a possession receiver type of guy when he was coming out, but he played a little bit of quarterback at Michigan State. They converted him at the combine and he was drafted as a cornerback. So he made some strides there. So he has some upside. He's still only 26. So there's some development that can come. If you're talking about the players who have potential upside, that's probably as big as it gets on this roster right now. So depending on where his health is with that Achilles, I know he worked out for the Giants like either before week one or right after week one and nothing happened, but I guess they, you know, stayed in contact and with a need for defensive depth now is when they signed him. So he could be definitely an interesting piece just to see and get a test run at least through the end of the season. Definitely. He has the length that James Betcher really likes in his corners. You know, running generally a press man, or at least a man-covered scheme, having that le- length is good. The form of wideout, he's got to have ball skills. You know, always like to joke when a interception bounces off a defensive back's hand and say, well, you know, that's why you're playing defense and not offense. Well, he used to play offense, and he was good. You know, I, I remember liking him a lot coming out as well. In 2016, he had four interceptions and 10 passes defense, which are pretty good numbers for yeah. a quarterback. So he definitely does have those ball skills. Again, as a wide receiver, he's you know 6'3". He's got some long arms, so that certainly helps. We'll see how his movement is and whether that Achilles has fully recovered or, or taken anything away, but I'm sure he'll get a little bit of run with this defense in the second half of the season. I'd probably look for him more after the bye week than this week. Just for time to get used to the de- defensive calls, get used to the defense, really. And maybe he could start to work his way in on the outside against uh, San Francisco after the bye. Because, of course, we get another primetime game. <laughs> right, yeah, it's going to be another Monday night. Awesome. Oh, boy. And then the one other addition... 
is Corey Coleman. I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on Coleman because we talked about him when he signed to the practice squad. I mean, I guess he'll get some run because Latimer is on IR. It looks like Jubal Davis is still suffering from a concussion. I, I mean, don't expect too much. To, he's a former first round pick, which you're going to hear a lot, but he just has not been good, which is why he's on his fourth team this year. Yeah, that not much else we can say. Super low risk, very high reward if maybe he can kind of figure it out with his route running and catching the ball. That That's that's a thing wide receivers have to do. Yeah, again, like we said when he was signed, he has struggled to get consistent separation and has struggled to catch the ball, which two things that are, if you're making a list of things you need at wide receiver, those, are, those are up there. Hey, first round pick and he's fast, so... Woo! That um, he is. <laughs> keep your expectations at a, a relatively low level for Corey Coleman. It's a nice name, but the production just has not been there to match it. So it's, you know, another flyer just to see what sticks. So we have been talking a lot about the roster moves and have not talked about the upcoming game at all yet to this point, which kind of seems fitting because where the Giants are right now, it kind of feels like where this roster is and where this roster is going is kind of more important than what other games are left for the rest of the season. It just kind of feels like the next nine games are completely secondary to whatever way this franchise is going. Yeah, that that's it exactly. It's like, oh, right, there, there's a game Sunday. There is a game okay. Sunday. So with as positive as that was with us just telling you that this game might not matter, come with us as we now preview this game. Yeah. Yeah, we are awesome salespeople at this. So thank you guys for continuing to listen. So we do have a game on Sunday. It is a Sunday game at one o'clock. Thank God. It's nice to have that back for a week before they go yeah. on a bye and then play another Monday night game. We have a divisional game against Washington, who is somehow in first place in this division. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, I think that says more about the division than it does Washington just playing steady solid unspectacular football is running away with this division right now unspectacular is is definitely a good way to explain whatever Washington is doing right now they don't really stand out in any way like at all but I guess as we can start with what the Giants are going to be matching up with when they're on offense. So, fun fact, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It is still true. Uh, by DVOA, the Giants are still the top offense in the NFC East. They are 18th. Washington is 22nd. Philadelphia is 23rd. And Dallas is 24th. So, they're not first by much. But they are still first. Again, I think that says more about the NFC East than it does the Giants. And then a lot of that is the rushing offense, which has been slightly better. But yeah, so we're going into that. The Giants offense, man, I don't know. <laughs> that 
that is the perfect way to describe them. I was going to try to do some like actual analysis and it just came down to man I I don't know. We'll see. Sometimes this offense is kind of good and sometimes it looks awful and can't throw the ball for more than 2 yards. Something we've talked about a lot, but we'll see how how they match up here. Washington has you know a a decent secondary. They've been okay. Josh Norman has been all right. So they're 12th in DVOA against number one wide receivers, but Norman individually is only 52nd in yards allowed per pass and 47th in success rate. And that is among 61 qualified cornerbacks uh, per football outsiders. So we're probably, I mean, how crazy this Giants weekend season has been is we have a Josh Norman Odell Beckham matchup, at least on, you know, a decent amount of snaps. And, like, we're not even talking about that. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cares. It's, like, in how disarray this Giants team is that, like, even Odell Beckham, and as big as a distraction, and I'll put that in the biggest quotes possible, that Beckham has been, yeah, we're not even talking about his matchup against Norman, which was, like, one of the first Beckham distractions, again, in complete quotes, that there was. So uh, we're going to see that, and that's that'll be an interesting matchup. And I, I think one thing we can really talk about in this defense is some of the big plays. So the Giants are basically only a big play offense. That's the only way they move the ball, and that doesn't always happen. So they're actually fifth in big play rate, but Washington is the fifth best in big play rate allowed. So they have not allowed big plays and big plays are really the only way the Giants can do anything on offense. Yeah, the Giants are a big play offense. They have to be a big play offense, which makes sense because they're personnel-wise, at least at the skill positions, they're built to be a big play offense. If you have... Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard. And even though he hasn't gotten as much use as we thought he would, and he really should, Evan Ingram. And also if you have Eli Manning, a quarterback who has really made his career out of big plays, you should expect your offense to be a big play offense. The only problem with that is that isn't exactly sustainable and philosophically, Pat Shermer doesn't want to run a big play offense. You, know, you can see the type of offense they keep going back to with the quick throws, you know, the little five-yard out routes and the wide receiver bubble screens that may or may not have a screen in front of them, swing passes eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, things like that. They, at least not consistently this year, they haven't wanted to go down the field and be that big play offense that they're built to be. It's going to be something, again, we continue to struggle with of why. And maybe I always, in situations like this, I, I think of that scene in The Waterboy where it's <laughs> where they're playing in the bowl game and the announcers are just like, last game of the year, no sense in holding anything back now. And that line just gets repeated like four times as they're throwing Bobby Boucher in like every possible place. Maybe the Giants at one and six right now have that mentality. Be like, well, 
nothing else has worked, no sense in holding anything back now, and maybe they'll just start chucking it deep. Who knows? Maybe, and maybe that'll make the offense work. I would say chucking it deep, if, if you mean a five and seven step drop, like Kevin Gilbride ran in 2013 against the Washington defensive front, that seems scary with the Giants offensive line. Uh, you know, guys like Jonathan Allen and Ryan Kerrigan and Matt Ioannidis and Deron Payne is having himself a pretty darn good rookie season. Eli might want to wear two sets of pads. This Washington pass rush is interesting. They have a lot of good and dangerous players, but they haven't really lived up to that yet this year. So they're only 21st in defensive pressure rate. This was a unit that was first in defensive pressure rate last season. Ryan Kerrigan and Preston Smith were like among the the league leaders in in pressures. They're still leading this team and and they're doing okay, but it's nowhere near where it was last season. But oh, we'll say this anytime someone goes against the Giants' offensive line, the potential for breakout is there. So with they will the, get you healthy, <laughs> right? With the amount of talent this defensive line and defensive front seven has, uh, especially in the interior, yeah, Deron Payne has been really good. Matt Ioannidis is another Temple guy. He's been able to to blow up some blocks and and disrupt some things in the interior there. Yeah, this is a very talented defensive line that just because they have not been able to really blow through people consistently so far this season doesn't mean they can't do it against the Giants. As we saw with Atlanta, you don't have to be having a great season to have a great game against whatever offensive line lineup the Giants happen to field because they're they're not going to get any better. Not this year. There's only so much the Giants can do with the offensive line as currently constructed. Even though they haven't been able to get consistent pressure, they have still not been a bad pass defense. Uh, they're 13th in defensive DVOA against the pass. Uh, a lot of that is how their cornerbacks have held up. You know, We talked about Norman. He hasn't been great, but they're still holding number one receivers down pretty well. Quinton Dunbar has been decent this year. They're sixth in DVOA against number two receivers. That a lot is Dunbar out wide. So he's 28th in yards allowed per pass and 38th in success rate. Really impressive has been Fabian Moreau, who is 17th in yards allowed per pass and 9th in success rate. He's played a lot in the slot. Now, he left the last game with an ankle injury. Dunbar also needed some tests after the game. Um, So we'll see what their statuses are going into Sunday. So if they can't play, that'll be pretty big for the Giants, and that's something they'll have to take advantage of. If they're not 100%, that's also something they need to take advantage of. But if those guys are out there, they've been pretty good this year, and they've been able to compensate for a talented pass rush that just hasn't been able to get home as often as they were last season. Yeah, and generally, even though Washington is really solid on the back end, I do tend to like the Giants' matchups there just because their receiving options 
at least at the top of the depth chart, are going to stack up well against pretty much any secondary. We saw that at the beginning of the year when they matched up pretty well against Jacksonville's secondary. The talent is there. The potential is there. And whether it comes out or not, we'll see. Another matchup to watch is what Barkley is going to do in the running game. Washington is fourth in DVOA against running backs in the passing game. So if Barkley is getting these swing passes behind the line of scrimmage. This is a pretty quick defense that, like Atlanta, should be able to to crowd him before he gets to the line. And we saw when the defense is able to come up and has multiple people who are ready to attempt to tackle Barkley behind the line, whether they are successful or not, when they have multiple people, that's more work for Barkley to try to break through. And we saw against Atlanta, he's not always able to break through every tackle. Um, <laughs> and Washington is another defense like that that's going to be ready for those types of passes. So we'll see if the Giants can finally get Barkley out in space a little more, past the line of scrimmage a little more. And that's something that they'll be able to take advantage of because if they stick to the same Barkley game plan they had against Atlanta, it's not going to work against this Washington defense either. No, and it shouldn't work against any NFL defense, really. And no, it shouldn't. But again, Barkley is he is, is, just spe- that good. is special in, in that sense. So I tweeted this out a little earlier. Per Sports Info Solutions charting, Barkley has 50 broken tackles uh, between runs and receptions this year, which is tops in the league. Melvin Gordon and Kareem Hunt are tied for second, and they have 36. (laughs) So when you kind of break it down by touch, Barkley is among the league leaders. He's, He's not the best when you factor in the rate per touch, but just in raw broken tackles, 50 broken tackles on runs and receptions, second place is 36. Partly that's Barkley being great at breaking tackles, partly that's the position the Giants put Barkley in where he has to break those tackles. And I'd rather see him catching passes five yards past the line of scrimmage and not have to break a tackle at the line of scrimmage. I'd sacrifice those broken tackle numbers for more yards all the time. But again, we'll see if that's something the Giants feel the same to this point they haven't yeah I think there's really just two things can mention that basically sum up where the Giants offense is the first from football outsiders the Giants offensive line is dead last in the league by fair bit in adjusted line yards on running plays that's basically what in a running play the offensive line gets separated from the total run yeah it's it's basically the runs and yards the offensive line is really responsible for it breaks down responsibility of of everything in a run play between the offensive line and the running back so yeah they're 32nd in adjusted line yards which is attributed to the offensive line but they're first in open field yards which, which is the running back. It's the, all the running backs, yeah. So that's and, that's how often our running backs get 10 or more yards past the line of scrimmage on runs. So Barkley is first in that when he's barely getting any blocking. 
Yeah, and the further away you get from the offensive line, the better the Giants running game gets, and the higher their ranking gets. So to me, that sums up their running game perfectly. And then uh, Kim Jones tweeted this out just before we started recording. Eli Manning is sixth in passing yards, Saquon Barkley is fourth in rushing, and Odell Beckham Jr. is fourth in receiving. The Giants are one in six. Over the last 10 seasons, only seven teams have had a top 10 passer, a top five rusher, and a top five receiver. Right now, there is only one other team in the NFL like that. It's Kansas City. They are six and one. Going back to those 10 years, the other five are Pittsburgh in 2017. They were 13 and three. Pittsburgh in 2014, they were 11 and five. Tampa Bay in 2012, they're an outlier. They were seven and nine. Then the Atlanta Falcons in 2010, they were 13 and three, and Minnesota in 2009, they were 12 and four. That is just that shows the potential of this Giants offense, but also the reality of it. Yeah, part of that shows raw yardage isn't always the greatest stat to show how good an offense has been. Some of those yards, as we know, have kind of been when the Giants have been trailing. And but, just desperate. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's those pieces are there. That's another thing where if we look at how the Giants have gotten yards on a per-drive basis, which is a little better than just overall yards, uh, but they're 14th in yards per drive, but they're only 22nd in points per drive. So that's part of the problem, is the Giants have not been able to take what they've been able to gain and turn that into points. A lot of that has been some of the red zone problems this team has had where they have not been able to convert once they get there. So, Which we could probably spend an entire show talking about. <laughs> we probably could. So the Giants are 25th in points per red zone trip. They're 30th in touchdowns per red zone trip. And you just can't have a good offense if you're not able to convert when you get close to the end zone. Uh, you just have to be able to put the ball in the end zone and score touchdowns when you do that. The Giants are 6th in field goals per drive, but when you're only getting three points and you could be getting seven, those are big swings. And the Giants have just not been able to put the ball in the end zone. There's multiple reasons for that, which, again, we can spend a lot of time digging into. You know, what we probably will on the bye when we have a little more time to do so. But when you can't convert in the area where it's the most likely you will convert... You just can't do anything. Yeah, I, there's not much more we can say about the offense as it stands now. No, there's not. And I guess we can quickly jump to the defense. And Washington's offense is kind of boring. They like have Alex Smith and... He's Alex Smith. Yeah, and you're only going to have so much excitement when Alex Smith is your quarterback. Um, he he's is having a perfectly Alex Smith season. Yeah, exactly. Um, after after last year was maybe a little un Alex Smith like in Kansas City. He's kind of back to being Alex Smith. Yeah, there's not much you can say there. The the wide receivers are okay. I will continue to be a Josh Doxson fan probably forever. I really liked him coming out. I will continually wait for him to break out and reach his potential, but that has not been the case yet. 
Jamison Crowder has been battling injuries for most of the season. Paul Richardson also has been battling injuries. And so that receiving core is not even at 100%. You know, Jordan Reed is a continual injury risk, even though he's been healthy. Uh, Vernon Davis is somehow still producing. Even at his the current age, he's probably their best receiver right now somehow. Chris Thompson has been really good catching passes out of the backfield, uh, but he's been hurt. He missed last week. So uh, we'll see. Really, the it's crazy to say the best thing about this offense so far has been Adrian Peterson, who somehow looks like Adrian Peterson used to look. Yeah, he, he looks like AP from about three years ago or so. Yeah, it's something like that. But okay, so the craziest thing, and one of the things that kind of made Adrian Peterson a relic in this era of the NFL was how one-dimensional he made an offense, especially last year. He had to be lined up in a single back or with a fullback. He had to be under center. He wasn't going to catch any passes. But this year already, he has 37 rushing attempts from shotgun and that has already tied a career high for any single season for him and he only did that back in 2010 so he's running more out of shotgun he's been more successful out of shotgun he has a 49 percent success rate out of shotgun per sharp football stats and only 45 percent under center so that opens up the offense a little bit more that at least gives a look of, hey, they might throw the ball when Adrian Peterson is on the field. Um, He caught the ball a little more in earlier weeks. He hasn't done that quite as much over the past few weeks, but he's still been able to break tackles. Uh, He's got like a 19% broken tackle rate on his touches, uh, which is you know, pretty good. It's not that peak all? AP, but Sorry, that's... I'm used to watching uh, Saquon Barkley run now. <laughs> right, yeah. He, yeah, he's not Barkley, not peak Adrian Peterson, but he's been able to, to break some tackles, and he's done pretty well. And after what he looked like last season, this is a welcome addition, both against what Peterson looked like last season and what the Washington run game looked like last season. Yeah. Last year, their run game was not great their run defense was just plain bad and I think what has probably impressed me the most from what I've seen of Adrian Peterson this season is how much quicker he looks and you can definitely see it with him running out of the shotgun but just his cuts look so much more crisp than they did last year he he must have changed something up in his offseason preparation because he has turned the clock back not enough that he can the monster that he used to be but he is definitely the best thing about their offense who knows if that says more about peterson or washington's offense right now Uh, one thing they can do though is and this has been something with the jay gruden offense and maybe it still kind of stems from sean McVay offense when he was the offensive (laughs) coordinator but they're pretty good at play action they are running it 22% of the time, which is 16th, averaging 8.4 yards per play with play action, and only 5.9 yards per play when they don't use play action. That's a pretty big difference. And again, the Giants have struggled defending play action this year, so we'll probably see a good amount of that when Washington is trying to throw the ball because they've had much more success there than when they've just asked Alex Smith to drop back and throw. Well, that's because they've got the rejuvenated Adrian Peterson establishing the run. 
Oh, let's not get into how establishing. <laughs> I, did, I, I, I had to troll you just a little bit. Uh, yeah, there. you did that on purpose. But priest. they also have a really good offensive line who is very good at selling the run. Right, and that's that's what it comes down to. They have very good offensive line that can sell the run. They have very good passing concepts off of play action to move the linebackers and the safeties. And maybe that's a place where we can go now. Alec Ogletree did not practice on Thursday, so his status for the game is unknown. He's someone we've talked about a lot. His play has not been great this season. I think Alex Mack was super excited to play against him on Monday night, going back and just watching the coaches film. Anytime Alex Mack could, he was throwing Ogletree back just whenever <laughs> he could. And and those are the type of plays that you, you don't really see unless you're watching closely and Ogletree gets blocked out of a lot of plays that he probably shouldn't. But, you know, he's played just about, I think, if not every defensive snap this season, almost every defensive snap, and I think it might be every defensive snap. So it's going to be BJ Goodson at linebacker. It might be Tay Davis at linebacker. Nate Stuper at linebacker. Yeah, my so, guess is it'll probably be BJ Goodson and Stuper with Tay Davis coming in as the nickel linebacker in the role that uh, Ray Ray Armstrong played. Armstrong is now a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, so he was released from IR, I think, with an injury settlement. But, you know, maybe we see Landon Collins play a little more linebacker, and if they're thinking about using Sean Chandler or Grant Haley a little more, maybe, like we said, they play a de facto third safety, and the Collins, Riley, and maybe Chandler are technically three safeties on the field at the same time, and you use Collins as a linebacker instead of maybe one of the traditional linebackers. Maybe you do that. I don't know. Again, play around with things. See what works. Nothing on this defense has really worked so far, so yeah, try some things. Yeah, the Collins has always been at his best, you know, right up in the tackle box, playing not, I won't say a pseudo linebacker role, but more or less that kind of classic strong safety role. And Betcher has kind of been moving him around more than uh, Steve Spagnuolo did. And he's been good, but hasn't had this kind of season you expect from Landon Collins. So maybe move him down, play him almost like he... uh, played Dion Buchanan kind of maybe not exactly as the money backer as the weak inside linebacker but just kind of let him stay close to the line of scrimmage and play yeah and we'll see that and maybe they need to do that almost out of necessity because they don't have a lot of other options of what they can do there so I would not be surprised to see that and I would probably suggest it and and play around with that and see if it works because if it does then you know you have maybe an answer and you can figure out how to build this defense going forward if collins is better in that almost money backer role then you can think about maybe adding more actual safety depth in the backfield instead of trying to figure out how to add a better linebacker in the offseason agreed and that's Going back to the rebuild, they can't go getting rid of all of their parts and pieces and just strip this team down to the 2017 draft and Odell Beckham because he's too expensive to get rid of. They have to figure out how to use the pieces that remain 
Right, and that's what this game's going to be about. That's probably what every game after the buy is going to be about, is figuring out just what they have, what they can build around. And that's unfortunately what this season has turned into. That's what it is when when you take a an all-in win-now approach and it does not work out, you're stuck with this. So again, we always end on such positive notes. <laughs> but with that, thank you guys for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you find your podcasts through iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Please rate and review. They have been starting to come in. Thank you guys for doing that. If you have not, uh, it would be helpful. We will be back on Monday breaking down what happened in this game, probably looking forward to the bye and what we're going to be focusing on for the second half of the season. So thank you guys for hanging out and we will talk to you again soon. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.